Warning. 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 It's the Police Officers Association of Michigan podcast radio show, recorded live in our studios in Redford, Michigan. Home is a full-service labor organization formed to provide every labor-related service from negotiations, grievance processing, legal and legislative representation to Act 312 arbitrations. I'm always impressed with the conversations that go on at the POM office around the boardroom or around the lunch table. Uh, I think frequently those of you that are out there being serviced by the Police Officers Association of Michigan see your business agent, contact your business agent, have a great deal of confidence in them, and I'm glad of that. I'm glad that uh, that you trust them in their judgment. But one of the things that I, I've discovered in there over the years is how much of those conversations about that you hear about are us talking around the table. It's uh, at lunch and somebody inevitably saying, um, you know, let me tell you about what happened to me today, or one of my guys will call and say, let me run something by you, things like that. And I just want you to know that, you know, we've got about 25 people in the place, including the four attorneys and a number of business agents, and everybody's out there servicing. And many of the problems that you have are things that we're solving for you. Uh, we've solved in other places. So when you're looking at your guy, uh, be confident in him, but also know that that he is out there uh, surrounded by a lot of other people with a lot of time and experience, too. And uh, you get the benefit of all of that at the same time. Uh, actually, I have one for you guys uh, that just came up the other day. Maybe you can give me a little uh, guidance on it. I had a, a TPOAM member that uh, was on his way to work, and then he got scheduled for a drug test that he knew he was going to fail. And he called me and asked what I should do. So I told him to go take the test. Um, what do you guys think about that? I would just like to say, you know, like this is not a Euchre game. Tabletop is, tabletop discussions are allowed here, right? It's not prohibited. You're in New York or Augie, you don't understand such things. But, Mike, I think, um, did he study for this test, or what was the story with this test business? Yeah, he, uh, he studied really hard the night before, so he was, he was prepared for the test the next day. Augie, what do you think? Well, you know, um, had he not cooperated and took the test, he's obviously going to be subject for an insubordination charge and most likely be fired. So he kind of has to fall on his sword and see what uh, how you can mitigate it for him. Yeah, I, I told him just to be honest and open with the with his boss and let him know what's going on. And he took the test, and it seems like everything's going to be okay. He's not going to get terminated. Yeah, you know, ultimately. In this day and age, especially, honesty is the best policy. And for the most part, you're, most of our people are not going to do anything intentionally criminal where they're going to get fired. So we always recommend honesty and uh, transparency when our folks are compelled to uh, give a statement. And it was pretty unique, too, because he was um, using marijuana the night before, which is considered like a legal substance now. But he also has a CDL, so it's kind of a tricky situation for that type of employee this place got a zero tolerance uh, policy it does yeah right so we've run into some trouble with this zero tolerance business because you know you mentioned the medical marijuana stuff and even the guys that don't have cdls you know are studying for these examinations as you put it uh, probably too hard and it's all over the place we've got guys with zero tolerance some tolerance no tolerance 
And it's really kind of difficult to manage those things. Do you guys have anything in any of your contracts um, that addresses marijuana specifically since it's been legalized? No, I don't. I do. So my, I, I don't. the language is antiquated because we're dealing with the MDOT standards, the Department of Transportation, some kind of federal guidelines that, that don't speak to this issue. What about you, Augie? Was yours a random? Was it? Uh, it was, but random? they they do it like every couple months. So the, the the employer's pretty on this uh, on the ball with that. Yeah, because I I had a situation once where they called the guy in, but he had the opportunity to call in sick. They called him in too early, which you know uh, kind of thwarted the random test because it should have been. Uh, implemented by the employer upon his arrival at the workplace, but he had called in, and in this case it was alcohol, and they tried to discipline him, but um, they really didn't have a valid test on the alcohol because he was sick and in compliance with the contract. But, you know, we still recommend that guys be obviously fit for duty, and like I said, honesty is the best policy. So, Augie, you you mentioned something that makes me think about this notion of Following the order, right? Like we had a case just not too long ago. You and I actually talked about this, that the guy wasn't scheduled. It wasn't random. Um, he'd been scheduled before. The COVID thing caused all kinds of issues with with the place they were go to, to do these tests. So he gets notified. He works a midnight shift. The employer tells him sometime during the shift, hey, you got to take this test at uh, you know, 0800. The guy's like, well, i got to take my kid to school. Distance learning, got to pick up this laptop. I got to be there at this time, this date. Supporters got a zero tolerance policy. They fired this guy. Hmm. But the key component here is he didn't go. He didn't comply with the order, which then causes us difficulty in defending his position. He's got a legitimate grievance. Grievance. But had he gone there, then it would have been no problem at all. And it wasn't like he was trying to dodge it. He's like, listen, my kid's got to be at school. I got to take her there. I got to pick up this laptop. You know, these are kind of issues all over the place. And I think this to Jim's point, it's not like we don't, you know, we talk about this stuff every day. Hey, what do you think about this? You know, I'm in Jim's office all the time. You know, Mikey just took over a group, you know, being a newer business agent. I don't know. Augie, what do you call them? Millennials, you call them? He might so, be Gen Z. No, no, no. I'm for sure a millennial. I've come to grips with it. So okay. That's okay. You're right. That's kind of uncharacteristic from what yeah. I ask. So, Mike, talk about the issue. Like, you know, how does it work when you take over a group from a crusty guy like Augie, for example? Like, what's the process? Um, so we, uh, you know, Jim usually doles out the, the groups to newer business agents, or and then I get the files and all the paperwork that have that's gone along, along with that group for the his the history of them being part of POAM and uh, go through bargaining history and um, get a feel for the group and then reach out to the, to the local leadership, your president, your vice president, give them a heads up that I'll be the new point of contact. And um, But in this case specifically, i got a couple of new groups. Um, Dave, you'll be my grievance um, I, you know, agent along with that. So you, you've had a history with the new groups that I so I can go to you and get all the information and bounce ideas off you because you're familiar with the team. Groups that I've taken over from Augie, um, it's been the same thing, the transition. We meet with everybody, let them know that it had nothing to do with anything else than just uh, restructuring and uh, going from there. It's usually pretty seamless. Hey Mike, I don't, Mike, uh, Augie and I pick on you because you're millennial, but you're a veteran police officer. 
been around, you've been active in, in your local. It's not like you're 10 years old, right? Right. I've been doing this for like 20 years, so I appreciate you saying that, Dave. Well, I know. Augie's giving me the side eye over there. Well, yeah. Let's get back on track. You know, COVID threw a big uh, wrench in the works. And, uh, yeah, no, Mike's doing a good job. Um, COVID, COVID's thrown a big wrench in the works, and, you know, we're roundtabling every day on this. As a matter of fact, coming over here today, uh, we just found out through our um, workers' comp attorney, Andrea Hamm, that we deal with constantly. Uh, she gave me an update that the governor... Uh, approve some sort of legislation or executive order or something that trumped the latest Michigan Supreme Court, Trump on her. But in any event, first responders are now uh, back to being presumed covered if they test positive for COVID. Uh, I believe Mr. Grabowski, our legislative director, just had an issue with one of his groups that he serviced. So uh, that's already being straightened out as far as the presumption. But we we've... We've ran the whole gamut of problems with COVID, just like everyone else, as far as being ordered to take a test. Uh, obviously, the the employer wants a safe environment, but you know there are demands to bargain on change of working conditions. But we you know we all have to kind of work together and be reasonable because we want to keep everyone safe and healthy. But by the same token, we have to represent our people, and um, we're constantly bouncing this off of. Uh, each other at the lunch table or in the office. I mean, sometimes I'm in the office early. I get in like at 6.37 in the morning just to get some work done because a lot of times we're bouncing things off each other and playing devil's advocate and, you know, someone's being the employer in a mock situation and the next thing you know, we're either going to arbitration on the issue or we're going to maybe turn our strategy around and try and resolve the issue. So, it really is a network of experienced people that POM has that uh, allows us to serve our groups uh, very efficiently. Uh, t- talking about COVID for a second, Augie, I know you and I have had like a lot of discussions about this because I was getting a zillion calls from all my local leadership, and I know you were as well. Um, I'm getting a lot of calls now of people that, um, not so much police groups, but other TPOM groups that uh, have been off this entire time but are, you know, being compelled to come back to work, and they're all kind of freaking out about it. Um, and they don't like hearing me say, you got to go back to work at some point, even if you're afraid. I mean, have you had a lot of that? Yeah, and, you know, that, that goes back to what Frank, our general counsel, Frank Guido, always tells us, you know, if, if you have to comply to a lawful order by the employer, and uh, and then we grieve later. And, and that's that's the way we operate through the collective bargaining agreement, so... You know, it's a delicate situation. People are afraid and frightened these days. But the bottom line is this is no time to lose your job either. So that's a good point. You have to be, uh, take all the necessary precautions and, and you know, just go, go along with the uh, program unless it's really outrageous. Well, can I just come back to your, your this workers' comp business? Like you... We were just talking about that before we went live on the air. You know, you can look for this to come out on your POAM app. You'll get a notification about the, all the details. But, like, talk about this this business with uh, this COVID. And you've got TPOM groups. You've got DPW groups. You've got police groups. You've got police command groups. And how it runs the gamut. Like, half of our people have been working this whole time. And half of our people haven't been working at all. They're working from home. 
you know, in your pajamas or whatever. So if you had situations where employers have really not done the right thing as far as CDC requirements, letting people come back, social distancing, all that stuff? Well, I don't, I don't really think any employer would take the risk of bringing their employees back without setting up the latest CDC precautions. But, of course, the essential workers were never sent home remotely. So that's, that's kind of the rub on the whole thing as far as CARES Act and compensation. A lot of employers were uh, treating non-essential workers as essential workers. So, like you said, it really does run the whole gamut of consideration. And um, that's why I, I sent a generic letter out to my 40-something groups uh, just to ask the employer to consider the uh, particularly the essential workers, including the DPW guys. You know, we, we have a lot of DPW folks and TPOM. And those folks were on the front lines. And, um, you know, uh, there's a different degree of exposure, potential exposure between the police officers, the dispatchers, the DPW folks, and then even the general employees uh, who still have to work the counter at times. So it, it's just such an overwhelming, you know, pandemic that has affected everyone in so many different ways. It's We just all have to keep calm heads and and try and do the best for our folks and keep them protected. You mentioned, and we were talking about this uh, a couple days ago, this notion that, you know, the Senate bill that led to this this notion of the terminology essential workers, it's not something that POEM invented. That's something that the legislature came out with. And there's people that we represent that that work the whole time um, that have not got that bonus. And you were talking about the the funding or lack thereof of this money the other day. Yeah, you're talking about the thousand dollars. Thousand dollars, yeah. Which had to be, I believe, paid out by September 30th. Correct. Yeah, yeah um, that was specific to approximately six groups, and typically first responders. Um, I believe firemen, uh, dispatchers were included in that. That's correct. Yeah. But uh, you know, the DPW was not. And that created problems. And I have some groups that are what we call a split group. My sheriff, some of my sheriff departments have clerks in there in the bargaining yep, unit. Or cooks. And, yep. And, and unfortunately, you know, they, they were not um, considered in that, in that grant money. There, there is a provision for the employer to pay them, again, out of the general fund and to recapture the payroll money through, through that part of that CARES grant. But, uh, that all has to be generated by the employer and really have to kind of beg the employer to consider the other folks. I'm in the process of doing that now. What, I, what I've done uh, in a, a recent proposal was I, I did a base wage adjustment for the, the clerks in my split group of a sheriff, specific sheriff department, which brings them up to that 1000 bucks that they should have probably received. So that was a way around it. Whether I can get that through or not, I'm, I'm trying for the folks, and they're they're pretty uh, happy that at least I'm trying for them. Mike, have you had this come up in any of your places? Uh, a couple of my places, uh, they were giving hazard pay the entire time for the you know first responders, and then the DPW workers kind of got screwed on that, and they were working every single day like we were talking about. Um, it, I, I think that a lot of the employers were pretty generous during this entire thing, at least maybe if they couldn't compensate them um, with any kind of hazard pay, but they were like doing split shifts or 
reduced work hours, things like that, so people could stay safe and stay healthy and be with their families and protect the people that they live with. Um, but I, yeah, not specifically what Augie was saying, though. Augie, there's there's been a couple groups that have taken action, taken money out of the general fund and paid people that were missed. I know you mentioned true. a couple, yeah. um, and I've got a couple. So that trend is not like, that's not over with. And that's something that we're going to have to continue to keep an eye on. Uh, and we really don't have contractual authority to compel an employer to do such a thing. The places that have done it just kind of did it because it was the right thing to do. Yeah, and that was before the uh, the grant money was available because Correct. that was also uh, incumbent on the employer to apply and get approved. And a lot of places required a, a letter of understanding in case the money never came through because they advanced that money out of their general fund. So it really is specific to each group. And that's, you know, part of the reason why you want to maintain a good relationship with the employer, although you're going to try and always do the best for the group, but uh, it makes no sense to be uh, constantly in an adversarial, you know, confrontational situation right. with these employers. If, if you have a reasonable employer, you, you should act accordingly. That was something that uh, I kind of picked up on early on in this career a lot of the local leadership wants us to come in and scream and yell and act like fools in negotiations and it just doesn't work out that well for, on our side a lot of the time because we end up becoming so contentious that they don't want to deal with the union whatsoever yeah well you got you know you got to remember our job is different than being the local president and sitting at the bargaining table with your local group you know our job is to to take in everything from the local, so to speak, wish list, what's going on there locally, the issues, the problems, because they have a lot of things that they're taking personally, perhaps. We've got to look at the big picture and get the best package back to the group to ratify. And, uh, you know, that comes down to um, constantly uh, being in touch with your local people. And, you know, I'm retired six years. You're still active, Mike. Dave, you're out about five years, right? So, you know, I, you know, in this world today, I mean, speaking to millennials, I mean, they, they call and ask questions they know the answers to. So, uh, I'm pretty up on things and I like to stay current with not only current events, but active officers in the latest trends on policing and what's going on out there because, you know, you don't want to be disconnected these days. That's a sure way to not service your group properly. Uh, circling back to what you said, Dave, about transitioning from one business agent to another when I get a group, that's one thing that I kind of put out there right off the bat. I, I tell them I'm going to be kind of annoying because I'm like so involved with stuff day to day. And maybe, you know, if they came from a different union totally, where they didn't even know who their business agent was, um, I'm like texting, calling, emailing these people like a jealous girlfriend all the time. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're not going to be kind of annoying like you are annoying. There's no still getting around yeah. it. The it's facts millennial. are, you know, that's that's a good point though, Mike, because I think I've, I've kind of like taken Mike and a few other guys, given a little orientation, ordered by President Tignali, but it's a good idea. Um, you know, what I do is I have forty something groups, and I have everyone in an email distribution list, and I've, I've offered that to Mike and Al Breeze has just come on recently, and Eric Ronowitz. Um, to me, information is key. Information is power. And uh, the, the most current or topic topical events that I can push out that people can use, and I, I've got all my groups in here. I've got 
cop groups, I've got dispatchers, I've got DPW workers, I've got court clerks, and you know, I, I push out generic information and specific information, and you know, they take it for what it's worth. But I make sure that they're they're getting the most topical information, whether it be legislative, Lansing information, COVID information from Blue Cross. You know, it's just a matter of staying in touch with everyone, and, and you know. Most of my folks, when they call me, I return their call by the end of the business day. And I think that's all our folks really want. They want they want to be able to get a hold of somebody to answer a question. And that's what I do. And if I don't have the information, I, I go research it. Well, Augie, you're my business agent. And, uh, I mean, prior to me working for POM, oh I know. That's why I'm so good at this job. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we are in constant contact all the time. And then prior to that... Tiganelli was my uh, business agent. We talked all the time, so it's it's kind of what we do. Yeah. One thing that that, that that Tig is in green and all of us is like, I mean, that, you you got to call these people back. There's really no reason that they shouldn't hear from you. I was telling uh, Steve Sellers, I know that one of our guys is coming off the job and transitioning this work. It's he calls me all the time. First thing he always says, Dave, sorry to bother you. Like, Steve, you're not bothering me. Like we're supposed to have these conversations, just like we're talking about here now. Yeah. Like we we spitball this stuff all the time in the office. We're at lunch. We're in the lunchroom, coming, going. I called Augie last night. I think six thirty at night, because um, that's how it's supposed to do. And and you know, for our local guys, it, sometimes they feel like they're hesitant to call. I I told Eric Ronowitz yesterday, if you're driving someplace, driving back from someplace, call your call your local presidents because they'll say. Oh, hey, you know, I didn't want to bother you. Hey, but why I got you on the phone? What do you think about this? And it's like, bro, just call me. I didn't want to bother you. You're not bothering me. This is what we're supposed to be well, doing. Well, famous for that. You know, he goes all over the state yeah, and he's exactly. always constantly checking in. And that's a that's a good habit to get into. And, um, you know, the bottom line is we're here to serve these folks. And it's not, you know, 1980 or 1990 or 2000. It's we have to adapt just like you do as a cop, right? I mean, I came on the job in 1983 in NYPD, and I went to Dearborn. And, you know, that was a whole different place than NYPD, but you constantly have to adapt. And, and you know, in police work, just like this job, you can learn something every day from a rookie, right? And like you say, this round table, the round tables we have at work, uh, when some of us play devil's advocate, I mean, even the most senior guy can learn from a new guy because of, of the constant adaptation that's required for this job. And, and really, POAM, with the people that they've brought on in the last 10 years, has recognized that because, um, you know, there's a different service level required these days than 20, 30 years ago. 30 years ago, you just went in, you, you negotiated wages. Today, you know, you have to have a handle on at PA 54, uh, Public Act 152. You have to be a wizard, at, uh, or at least a semi-wizard in healthcare. Thank God we have good um, liaisons too, like like Shelley from Blue Cross Blue Shield, right? Andrea Ham, Workers Comp. You know this this all goes into the cake here at POM, and uh, you know networking like we do all the time. I mean, honestly, that's why I get in early because we are bouncing stuff off each other constantly, whether at lunch. Throughout the office, I mean, there's not a quiet time in that office because someone's always in trouble. Someone, you know, some weird thing's happening that's out of the scope. And, you know, sometimes we even baffle the lawyers, but uh, we, we always work it out and we, we always do the right thing. 
I'm still kind of hung up that uh, when Jim calls, I wasn't special. I didn't realize he was calling everybody else on his way to and from <laughs> other places. But uh, um, it, touching on what you said, Augie, um, about like learning, um, as a matter of fact, I had a weird one the other day where I actually called President Ticinelli and said, i got to run something past you. I don't know if you've ever dealt with this before. And I had a, a guy who was being disciplined that I've been working with for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it turned out uh, I didn't know the specifics of what he had done or what he was involved with until we had a hearing about it, and it turns out he was a, an informant for another law enforcement agency, and President Tignelli said, uh, I haven't heard that one yet, so it was kind of a new thing for everybody. You stumped Tig, that's that's doing something right there. Yeah, it wasn't a great you know hearing, but other than that, it was a learning experience for everybody. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another edition of the POAM podcast radio show. I want to remind you that each and every month you can find every single podcast online on Apple iTunes. Just search for POAM. They're also available for download or for live listen on our website. Visit us at POAM.net. Get on our newsletter and send us all of your comments and suggestions for future shows. Mm-hmm.